Green Top Guideline number 8 Amniocentesis and Chorionic Villus Sampling by K. Navaratnam and Z. Alfirovich on behalf of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. This is an update of the 2010 version of this guideline. It is the fifth edition, which was previously published in October 1996, February 2000, January 2005, and June 2010. Section 1. Key Recommendations Recommendation Women should be informed that the additional risk of miscarriage following amniocentesis or chorionic villus sampling performed by an appropriately trained operator is likely to be below 0.5%. Grade of recommendation, B. Recommendation. Amniocentesis should not be performed prior to 15 plus 0 weeks of gestation. Grade of recommendation, A. Recommendation. Chorionic villus sampling should not be performed prior to 10 plus 0 weeks of gestation. Grade of recommendation, D. Recommendation. Where possible, to reduce the risk of technical challenges, chorionic villus sampling should be performed from 11 plus 0 weeks of gestation onwards. Grade of recommendation, good practice point. Recommendation. Women with multiple pregnancies should be informed that the additional risk of miscarriage for twin pregnancy following chorionic villus sampling or amniocentesis performed by an appropriately trained operator is around 1%. Grade of recommendation, B. Recommendation. Screening results for bloodborne viruses, viral load, and antigen test results should be reviewed when an invasive test is considered individualized risk of viral transmission should be discussed. Grade of recommendation, C. Section 2. AIM. The aim of this guideline is to provide a concise set of evidence-based standards for provision and performance of amniocentesis and chorionic villus sampling, or CVS, used for prenatal diagnosis. An infographic, infographic S1, and audio version to supplement this guideline are available online at www.rcog.org.uk forward slash gtg8. Section 3. Background. Pregnant women are offered amniocentesis or CVS for prenatal diagnosis for a variety of reasons, including a higher chance aneuploidy screening result, fetal structural anomaly, or a known risk of inherited genetic disease. Implementation of national combined aneuploidy screening and increasing use of cell-free DNA testing from maternal blood has resulted in a significant decline in screen-positive results, and therefore fewer invasive prenatal tests are being carried out. However, both CVS and amniocentesis remain, at present, the only definitive diagnostic tests for aneuploidy in pregnancy. CVS, carried out to obtain placental villi for analysis, is usually performed between 11 plus 0 and 13 plus 6 weeks of gestation. If required, CVS can be performed between 14 plus 0 and 14 plus 6 weeks of gestation. 
individualized counseling of the merits of CVS versus amniocentesis should be provided for women considering CVS during this time period. A video demonstrating the recommended technique for abdominal CVS is available online at www.rcog.org.uk forward slash gtg8. Amniocentesis, performed to obtain amniotic fluid for analysis, is usually offered from 15 plus zero weeks of gestation. A video demonstrating the recommended techniques for amniocentesis is available online at www.rcog.org.uk forward slash gtg8. Informed written consent is advised prior to either procedure and should be in line with existing consent advice from the General Medical Council, GMC, and Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, RCOG, recommendations. See references 2 and 3. The consent process must include procedure risks, timing and method of communicating results, sample or tissue storage, benefits, alternatives, and the option to opt out. Wherever possible, contemporaneous local data for procedure-related complications should be quoted. Women should receive information on aftercare including, where appropriate, the need for prophylactic anti-D in non-sensitized rhesus-negative women, and indications to seek medical advice following the procedure. Section 4. Identification and Assessment of Evidence the Cochrane Library, including the Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, Embase, Medline, and PubMed electronic databases were searched for relevant meta-analyses, systematic reviews, randomized control trials, or RCTs, and cohort studies. TRIP, NICE Evidence, and the Guidelines International Network were searched to identify relevant guidelines. Databases were searched for the terms amniocentesis and chorionic villus sampling appearing in the title or abstract. The search was limited to humans and the English language, and was restricted to articles published until October 2019. The full search strategy is available to view online as supporting information, Appendix S1 and S2. The recommendations given in this guideline have been graded according to the guidance for the development of RCOG Greentop Guidelines. See reference 3. Section 5. How should care be organised in providing amniocentesis and CVS? The scope of this guideline is confined to technical aspects of the two procedures. For the woman and her family, good care in these circumstances encompasses more than the procedure. Women facing either procedure are usually anxious and clinicians should bear this in mind. The RCOG, Royal College of Midwives, RCM, and Society and College for Radiographers have produced a consensus statement on supporting women and their partners through prenatal screening, reference 4, which, while developed to support the evaluative rollout of non-invasive prenatal testing, NIPT, for Down syndrome, Edwards syndrome and Patau syndrome within the NHS fetal anomaly screening program is also relevant to the provision of amniocentesis and CVS. Care for women who consent to have CVS or amniocentesis should be organised in accordance with the fetal anomaly screening program guidance. See reference 5. This includes an appropriate environment, skilled staff, access to allied specialties, 
and appropriate support for the continuation of pregnancy or termination of pregnancy, depending on the choices made by the woman and her partner where chromosomal or genetic anomalies are identified. Evidence level 4. It is important to remember that most women will not have expected screening to result in unexpected news about their baby and that this is therefore a very stressful time. A sensitive approach is extremely important and choice of words, such as the use of different rather than abnormality in certain situations, is really important. All options should be presented in an unbiased manner so that the woman and her partner can make a personal, informed choice. These options should include continuing the pregnancy with a view to keeping the baby, continuing the pregnancy with a view to having the baby adopted, continuing the pregnancy with a view to palliative care in the case of severely life-limiting conditions, and ending the pregnancy at that point. It may also be appropriate to discuss religious aspects of care as well. Women should be given time to discuss this decision with their partner and family if they wish, to meet with a paediatrician or learning disability nurse used to caring for people with the condition if appropriate, or to meet with families who have children with the identified condition if they wish, either through local or national support groups for those with the condition, for example, Antenatal Results and Choices, ARC, www.arc-uk.org, or support organisation for Trisomy 13 and Trisomy 18, SOFT, www.soft.org.uk. Evidence Level 4. Section 6. What are the additional risks associated with invasive testing? Subsection 6.1. What is the additional risk of miscarriage associated with amniocentesis and CVS? Recommendations on the additional risk of miscarriage associated with amniocentesis and CVS. Recommendation. Women should be informed that the additional risk of pregnancy loss following transabdominal CVS performed by an appropriately trained operator is likely to be below 0.5%. Evidence quality, 2++. Strength of evidence, B. Rationale for the recommendation. It is important to be aware that the risk may be higher with less skilled operators or units carrying out fewer procedures. The risk is also likely to be higher where the fetus has a chromosomal, genetic or structural anomaly. Recommendation Women should be informed that the additional risk of pregnancy loss following an amniocentesis performed by an appropriately trained operator is likely to be below 0.5%. Evidence quality 2++ Strength of evidence B Rationale for the recommendation it is important to be aware that the risk may be higher with less skilled operators or units carrying out fewer procedures. The risk is also likely to be higher where the fetus has a chromosomal, genetic or structural anomaly. Recommendation If amniotic fluid appears cloudy or purulent, or there are clinical features of intraamniotic infection, consider microbial analysis and antibiotic treatment. Evidence quality 4 Strength of evidence, good practice point. Rationale for the recommendation. Maternal sepsis is a rare but potentially serious complication of amniocentesis and CVS. 
evidence to support the recommendations on the additional risk of miscarriage associated with amniocentesis and CVS. The only RCT on which previous estimate of additional risk of pregnancy loss following amniocentesis has been based was published in 1986. See reference 6. The trial reported a 1% additional risk of pregnancy loss, but the estimate was rather imprecise with 95% confidence intervals including both no additional risk and 2% risk. See reference 6. It is now unlikely that an appropriately sized, high-quality RCT trial will ever be repeated. Two RCTs published in 1991 and 1993 compared CVS carried out either trans or transvaginally with mid-trimester amniocentesis and found an increase in overall pregnancy loss following CVS, 11.1% versus 8.2%, risk ratio 1.43, 95% confidence interval 1.22 to 1.67, which was attributed to increased spontaneous pregnancy loss after CVS. 7.1% versus 5.0%, risk ratio 1.51, 95% confidence interval 1.23 to 1.85. See references 7 to 9. Evidence level 1 plus. Since then, many observational studies, including large national registry-based studies, have reported much lower complication rates for both amniocentesis and CVS, including no significant increase in pregnancy losses above the background rate. See reference 10. Ideally, these studies should attempt to estimate the procedure-related risk for structurally and genetically normal fetuses. Such estimates should come from cohorts with genetic testing of all pregnancy losses, irrespective of whether they had a prior invasive test or not, and include control groups matched for all important confounders, including maternal age. These factors should be taken into account for future studies. Even with all these criteria fulfilled, in the absence of randomization, clinically important differences between women undergoing invasive testing and those who do not undergo testing will remain. Nevertheless, it is plausible that lower pregnancy loss rates reported in more recent studies reflect improvements in technology, techniques, and experience. Evidence Level 2++ A systematic review, including data from observational studies published between 2000 and 2014, with a minimum of 1,000 women per study, reported weighted pooled procedure-related risk of pregnancy loss of 0.11%, 95% confidence interval 0.04 to 0.26% for amniocentesis, and 0.22% for CVS, 95% confidence interval 0.71%, to 1.16%. See reference 11. The authors published an update including studies up to 2017 with data from 10 studies of amniocentesis with 64,901 procedures and 6 studies of CVS with 19,000 procedures and performed a meta-analysis. See reference 12. The weighted pool procedure-related risk of pregnancy loss was 0.35% for both procedures. Amniocentesis, 95% confidence interval, 0.07 to 0.63. CVS, 95% confidence interval, minus 0.31 to 1.00. 
see reference 12. However, the pregnancy loss rates in included studies show large variations. For amniocentesis, two studies reported higher pregnancy loss rates in the control group than after amniocentesis, references 13 and 14, while in others, the excess risk following amniocentesis varied from 0.06% to 1.24%. See references 10 and 15 to 21. Similarly for CVS, two studies reported higher numbers of pregnancy losses in their control groups, references 10 and 15, while the remainder reported excess pregnancy loss rates after CVS ranged from 0.2 to 1.5%, see references 16 and 22 to 24. It is worth noting that 6 out of 10 studies reported amniocentesis-related risk of 0.2% or less and three out of six studies reported no additional risk from CVS. Evidence level 2++. A recently updated Cochrane review of amniocentesis and CVS for prenatal diagnosis reported low-quality, randomized evidence comparing transabdominal and transvaginal CVS. See reference 9. A retrospective cohort study published in 2008 reported outcomes for 5,148 CVS. 96% of which were transcervical procedures using a catheter method. See reference 15. Pregnancy losses were below the background rate regardless of CVS route. Transabdominal, minus 0.2%. Transcervical, minus 0.5%. See reference 15. A retrospective cohort study published in 2017 reported outcomes following 4,862 CVS procedures. 2,833 of which were transcervical, 1,787 using forceps, and 1,046 using cannulae. See reference 16. The procedure-related pregnancy loss rate was 1.4% for transcervical CVS and 1.0% for transabdominal CVS. See reference 16. However, The risk of pregnancy loss after transcervical CVS was only 0.27% when forceps was used and 3.12% for those done with cannulae, suggesting that forceps may offer a safety advantage. See reference 16. Evidence level 4. Please see table 1 for an overview of other risks associated with amniocentesis and CVS. Procedure-related risks may be increased when procedures are performed by less skilled operators as there is an inverse association between experience and procedure-related pregnancy loss. See references 15 and 26. Recently, Baca et al. stratified fetal losses by operator experience. According to number of procedures performed and confirmed lower losses with increasing experience for both transabdominal CVS and for amniocentesis. See reference 16. There is no evidence to specify the optimal number of procedures for trained operators to maintain their skills. It is advised that appropriately trained operators complete or supervise ideally at least 20 amniocentesis or CVS procedures annually. Evidence level 4. Please see table 2 for requirements for training to carry out amniocentesis and CVS and advice on maintaining good practice. Table 1. What are the risks associated with amniocentesis and CVS? Row 1. Second sampling, 
or repeat procedure. Amniocentesis up to 6%. CVS up to 6%. Row 2. Blood stain sample. Amniocentesis 0.8%. CVS not applicable. Row 3. Confined placental mosaicism. Amniocentesis not applicable. CVS less than 2%. Row 4. Maternal cell contamination. Amniocentesis 1 to 2%. CVS 1 to 2%. Row 5. Rapid test failure. Amniocentesis 2%. CVS 2%. Row 6. Failed cell culture. Amniocentesis, 0.5% to 1%. CVS, 0.5% to 1%. Row 7, severe infection. Amniocentesis, rare. CVS, rare. Row 8, fetal injury. Amniocentesis, rare. CVS, rare. Row 9. Maternal visceral injury. Amniocentesis. Rare. CVS. Rare. End of table. Women should be aware that the results of CVS can be affected by confined placental mosaicism in 1-2% of cases. If there is a fetal structural anomaly, it is reasonable to move forward with discussions regarding ongoing care including the option of termination of pregnancy if the woman or couple wish to consider this. If there are no structural anomalies and QF-PCR results following CVS suggest a chromosomal anomaly, a full karyotype should be awaited before any decisions are made. Discussions under these circumstances should reflect the RCOG, RCM and Society and College of Radiographers' consensus statement on prenatal testing. See reference 4. Table 2. What is required for training and maintaining good practice for amniocentesis and CVS? Column 1. Training. Achieved competency with maternal fetal medicine subspecialty training, fetal medicine advanced skills training modules, or equivalent international qualification. Simulation training and directly supervised procedures are integral. Column 2. Maintaining good practice. Maintain competency by completing or supervising, ideally, a minimum of 20 amniocentesis or CVS procedures annually. Communication skills training. Continuous audit. Multiple insertions, failures, bloody taps and procedure-related losses, preterm pre-labor rupture of membranes, preterm birth within 14 days of procedure. Seek support from more experienced operator if anticipated or encountered difficulties. Review practice where an operator's annual loss rate of normal babies exceeds 3% for either amniocentesis or CVS. End of table. Subsection 6.2. What are the additional risks associated with invasive testing? Severe maternal sepsis is a very rare complication. Infections may arise from organisms present on the skin, ultrasound probe, gel, or via needle puncture of the bowel. 
skin decontamination, use of separate gel sachet, enclosing the ultrasound probe in a sterile bag, and continuous ultrasound are recommended prior to amniocentesis and CVS. If, on inspection, amniotic fluid has a cloudy or purulent appearance, or the woman shows clinical features to suggest intraamniotic infection, the operator should consider sending a small quantity of amniotic fluid for microbiological analysis and consider antibiotic treatment. Evidence level 4. Section 7. At what gestation should amniocentesis and CVS be carried out? Subsection 7.1. At what gestation should amniocentesis be carried out? Recommendations for what gestation amniocentesis should be carried out at. Recommendation. Amniocentesis should be performed after 15 plus 0 weeks of gestation. Evidence quality 1 plus. Strength of evidence A. Rationale for recommendation. The trial compared amniocentesis after 15 plus 0 weeks to early amniocentesis and found an increased risk of Telepes equinovarus in the earlier group. Evidence to support the recommendation on what gestation amniocentesis should be carried out at. There is good evidence that amniocentesis should not be performed before 15 plus 0 weeks of gestation, owing to the higher risk of pregnancy loss and the potential for Telepes equinovarus. See references 9 and 27. A Canadian multi-centre trial published in 1998 reported 24 in 2,612 cases of Talipes equinovarus with early amniocentesis, compared to 5 in 2,693 cases with CVS. See reference 25. Early amniocentesis also resulted in an increase of 3% in requirement for multiple needle insertions, 4.7% versus 1.7%. Relative risk, 2.79, 95% confidence interval, 1.92 to 4.04. See reference 27. Early amniocentesis has cytogenic implications, with increased risk of failed culture of 1.8% compared to 0.2% with mid-trimester amniocentesis and potential for false negative results when compared to mid-trimester amniocentesis. 3 versus 0, 0.05% versus 0.0%, relative risk, 3.00, 95% confidence interval, 0.12 to 73.67. See reference 28. Evidence level 1+. Individual laboratories have reported increased risk of obtaining low quantities of DNA from direct extraction when amniocentesis is performed before 16 plus 0 weeks gestation. Clinicians should be aware of the potential for impact on turnaround time for results to allow informed discussions during the consent process for procedures carried out before 16 plus 0 weeks. Subsection 7.2. When should CVS be carried out? Recommendations on when CVS should be carried out. Recommendation. CVS should not be performed before 10 plus 0 weeks of gestation. Evidence quality, 3. Strength of evidence, D. Rationale for recommendation, 
With CVS before 10 plus zero weeks of gestation, there is a possible association of oromandibular and limb defects. Recommendation. Where possible, CVS should be performed from 11 plus zero weeks of gestation to reduce the risk of technical challenges. Evidence quality, four. Strength of evidence, good practice point. Rationale for recommendation, CVS before 11 plus zero weeks of gestation can be more technically challenging. Evidence to support the recommendation on when CVS should be carried out. Possible associations between CVS and both oromandibular disruption and limb reduction defects were first reported in 1991, following procedures carried out between 8 plus 0 and 9 plus 3 weeks gestation. See reference 29. Since then, reports have emerged refuting the association, though most procedures were performed after 10 plus 0 weeks of gestation. See reference 30. It is possible that any potential risk is gestation dependent and as a result, most guidelines discourage performing CVS before 10 plus zero weeks. See references 9 and 11. Additionally, CVS prior to 11 plus zero weeks gestation can be more technically challenging due to access and thinner, less developed placental tissue. Evidence level 3. Section 8. What are the considerations when performing amniocentesis or CVS for multiple pregnancy? Recommendations on the considerations when performing amniocentesis or CVS for multiple pregnancy. Recommendation. Women considering amniocentesis or CVS should receive detailed counselling and pregnancy mapping by suitably trained healthcare professionals. Evidence quality, 4. Strength of evidence, good practice point. Rationale for recommendation. Mapping of the pregnancy is essential to ensure accurate sampling. Recommendation. In multiple pregnancies, amniocentesis or CVS should be performed by an operator with the skills to perform selective termination of pregnancy if required. Evidence quality, four. Strength of evidence, good practice point. Rationale for recommendation. This provides reassurance of accurate fetal identification to the woman and operator should termination of pregnancy be requested. Recommendation. Women with multiple pregnancies should be informed that the additional risk of pregnancy loss for twin pregnancy following CVS or amniocentesis performed by a skilled operator is around 1%. Evidence quality, 2++. Strength of evidence, B. Rationale for recommendation. It is important to be aware that the overall risk of pregnancy loss is higher in twin pregnancies due to an increased background risk of pregnancy loss. Recommendation Women with multiple pregnancies and a confirmed diagnosis of anomaly from amniocentesis or CVS should be provided with information and supported in a non-directive way, including referral to specialist counselling services if required. Evidence quality, 4. 
Strength of evidence. Good practice point. Rationale for recommendation. It is important to support women to make the decisions that are appropriate for them and their families. Evidence to support the recommendations for the considerations when performing amniocentesis or CVS for multiple pregnancy. A high level of expertise in ultrasound scanning is essential for operators undertaking amniocentesis or CVS in multiple pregnancies because the pregnancy needs to be mapped with great care. See reference 31. Mapping is essential prior to any invasive testing to ensure each fetus is identified and sampled appropriately, with samples labelled correctly for analysis. As some women and couples may choose a selective termination of their pregnancy based on the results of amniocentesis or CVS, it is recommended that an operator skilled in performing selective termination conducts fetal mapping as it is unlikely that any operator would be comfortable performing selective termination based on labelling performed by a referring doctor. Labelling by assigning numbers should be avoided. It is more reproducible to map bilateral orientation as maternal left and maternal right twins, or vertical orientation as upper and lower twins. This approach is recommended by NICE. See reference 31. Labelling is assisted in the presence of a discordant fetal structural anomaly or discordant fetal sex, but extra care must be taken where there is no clearly identifiable ultrasound difference. In such cases, it is advised that two operators confirm labelling. Evidence level 4. Two systematic reviews have assessed the risk of mid-trimester pregnancy loss following amniocentesis, with no RCTs identified in either systematic review. See references 32 and 33. There was considerable variation in how individual studies defined fetal loss, a single twin or both twins, and several studies did not provide any definition of loss. Agarwal et al. reported pregnancy loss rate following amniocentesis of 3.07%. 95% confidence interval 1.83 to 4.61 and estimated procedure-related risk of pregnancy loss before 24 weeks of gestation at 1%, 2.59% versus 1.53%, relative risk 1.81, 95% confidence interval 1.02 to 3.19. This estimate was derived from four cohort studies with 695 procedures and 18 pregnancy losses. See references 34 to 37. Fink et al. captured publications over a longer time period between 1970 and 2010. See reference 33. The pooled odds ratio for total pregnancy loss after amniocentesis was 1.8, 95% confidence interval 1.2 to 2.7, derived from seven controlled studies with 1,530 procedures and 73 fetal losses. See references 35 to 40. Evidence level 2++. It is also possible that the true amniocentesis-related risk of pregnancy loss in twins may be less than 1%, as several studies published in the last five years have reported no increase in pregnancy losses above background risk. See references 41 and 42. Evidence level 2+. Data for procedure-related pregnancy losses following CVS are more limited. 
Agarwal et al. meta-analyzed data from four observational studies of CVS in twin pregnancies, 632 procedures, and reported an overall pregnancy loss rate of 3.8% following CVS, 95% confidence interval 2.5 to 5.5, see reference 32. It was not possible to estimate risk of pregnancy loss less than 24 weeks with CVS due to heterogeneity of the data. See reference 32. For both amniocentesis and CVS, the majority of studies have not stratified the outcome by chorionicity, and it is therefore not possible to accurately determine procedure-related losses separately for monochorionic diamniotic and dichorionic diamniotic twins. Evidence level 2++. Most operators use double uterine entry when performing amniocentesis or CVS in multiple pregnancies. However, the limited data available suggests no significant difference in the risk for amniocentesis performed with a single or double uterine entry. See reference 32. Similarly, for CVS, there appears to be no significant differences in pregnancy loss with transabdominal versus transcervical CVS, or with use of single versus double needle technique, or single versus double uterine entry. See reference 32. The risk of cross-contamination during CVS is approximately 1% and may be mitigated by using a W-trine entry technique. See reference 32. Based on currently available evidence, operators should use the technique with which they are most comfortable. Evidence level 2++. There are insufficient data available to comment on procedure-related risks for higher-order multiple pregnancies. Section 9. What is the role of third trimester amniocentesis? Recommendations on the role of third trimester amniocentesis. Recommendation. The risks associated with third trimester diagnostic amniocentesis, including the risk of preterm labor, are likely to be low. Evidence quality, 2+. Strength of evidence, D. Rationale for recommendation. The risk of preterm labor before 34 weeks is in the region of 3 to 4% based on limited studies. Recommendation Women should be informed that there is a higher risk of cell culture failure with amniocentesis performed in the third trimester. Evidence quality 2. Strength of evidence C. Rationale for recommendation. Overall, there is a 10% risk of culture failure for third trimester amniocentesis, but the risk is higher with advancing gestation. Evidence to support the recommendations on the role of third trimester amniocentesis. Third trimester amniocentesis may be offered for newly identified fetal structural anomalies, suspected fetal infection, and fetal growth restriction. Serious complications requiring emergency birth are unusual following third trimester amniocentesis. Two retrospective cohorts have reported preterm labor before 37 weeks of 4 to 8% and before 34 weeks of 3 to 4%. See references 43 and 44. There is an increased risk of requiring more than one needle insertion, 5% of procedures with blood stain samples reported in 5-10% of procedures. See references 45 and 46. 
there is an increased risk of culture failure following third trimester amniocentesis, with a rate of 9.7% overall reported in 2007. See reference 47. A retrospective database analysis of amniocentesis procedures performed between 24 plus 0 and 39 plus 0 weeks between 2002 and 2014 reported increased overall culture failure rates of 10.2% that increased with gestational age from 2.1 between 24 plus 0 and 27 plus 0 weeks to 40.6 between 36 and 40 weeks. See reference 48. Evidence level 2 plus. Section 10. What are the risks of mother-to-child transmission of infection? Recommendations on the risks of mother-to-child transmission of infection. Recommendation. Screening results for bloodborne viruses, viral load, and antigen test results should be reviewed when an invasive test is considered and individualized risk of viral transmission should be discussed. Evidence quality, four. Strength of evidence, good practice point. Rationale for recommendation. Operators should be aware of screening results to appropriately weigh the indication for testing and individual risk of mother-to-child transmission of viral infection. Recommendation Where screening results for bloodborne viruses are not known, testing should be delayed until HIV status can be determined. Evidence quality, full. Strength of evidence, good practice point. Rationale for recommendation The risk of mother-to-child transmission of HIV is higher for women not on highly active antiretroviral therapy and with higher viral loads. Recommendation The risk of mother-to-child transmission of HIV for women on highly active antiretroviral therapy is low. Evidence quality, 2++. Strength of evidence, C. Rationale for recommendation. Several large retrospective cohorts reported no cases of mother-to-child transmission for women on highly active antiretroviral therapy with undetectable viral loads. Recommendation. Antiretroviral treatment should be optimized to aim for an undetectable viral load prior to amniocentesis or CVS. Evidence quality 2++. Strength of evidence. C. Rationale for recommendation. The risk of mother-to-child transmission is very low once viral load is undetectable. Recommendation The risk of mother-to-child transmission of hepatitis B is low with viral load less than 6.99 log base 10 copies per milliliter but increases with higher viral loads. Evidence quality, 2+. Strength of evidence, C. Rationale for recommendation. A retrospective analysis indicated no significant difference in mother-to-child transmission of hepatitis B below a viral load of 7 log base 10. Recommendation. There is no evidence of mother-to-child transmission of hepatitis C based on limited data available. Evidence quality, 2+. 
Strength of evidence. C. Rationale for recommendation. Limited available studies have not reported mother-to-child transmission of hepatitis C. Evidence to support the recommendations on the risks of mother-to-child transmission of infection. Recent studies demonstrated a very low risk of mother-to-child transmission of HIV for women on highly active antiretroviral therapy with undetectable viral loads. Four retrospective cohorts with 317 procedures spanning 1985 to 2015 contained no cases of mother-to-child transmission in women on highly active antiretroviral therapy. See references 49 to 52. Conversely, a retrospective cohort study published in 2017 reported 2.3% mother-to-child transmission of HIV for women not on highly active antiretroviral therapy performed prior to 2005, arising from 113 total CVS and amniocentesis procedures. See reference 49. Evidence level 2++. A multi-center retrospective case control study including 166 amniocentesis procedures published in 2009 reported a non-significant increase in mother-to-child transmission for women without antiretroviral therapy, 25.0% versus 16.2%, and for those treated with zidovudin monotherapy or a double nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor combination. 6.1% versus 3.3%. See reference 51. The same study found no cases of mother-to-child transmission in 81 women on highly active antiretroviral therapy. See reference 51. Operators need to be aware and inform women that the vast majority of evidence is based on amniocentesis and that data on CVS are limited. Where screening results for bloodborne viruses are not known, Testing should be delayed until HIV status can be determined. Where screening is declined, informed consent should include discussion of the risk of mother-to-child transmission and that this is increased for women with higher viral load and not on antiretroviral treatment. Evidence level 2+. The overall risk of mother-to-child transmission for hepatitis B is low. The increased viral load is a risk factor for transmission. See reference 53. A small retrospective case control study of infants of hepatitis B surface antigen positive women, of whom 63 out of 642 had amniocentesis, demonstrated a significant increase in mother-to-child transmission when the hepatitis B virus DNA was over 500 copies per milliliter, 4.2% versus 17.4%, odds ratio 4.76. 95% confidence interval 1.17 to 19.33. See reference 54. There is an absence of high quality data on the risk of mother to child transmission with hepatitis C, but currently no evidence of risk of mother to child transmission following amniocentesis. See reference 55. Evidence level 2. Plus. Section 11. Recommendations for future research. Rates of procedure-related pregnancy loss in multiple pregnancies based on chorionicity. Risk of mother-to-child transmission following procedures during acute infections, for example, hepatitis C. 
Section 12, Auditable Topics. Rate of pregnancy loss of fetuses with and without chromosomal or genetic anomaly within 14 days of procedure. These data should be quoted on local consent forms. Target, less than 0.5%. Local cytogenetic laboratory culture failure rates for amniocentesis and CVS. Target, less than 0.5%. Operator-specific proportions of procedures requiring more than one needle insertion. Operator-specific proportions of procedures with failure to obtain an adequate sample. Rate of anti-D prophylaxis for women who are rhesus-D negative with rhesus-positive fetus undergoing invasive procedures. Target 100%. Maintenance of a register of invasive diagnostic procedures to facilitate audit. Target 100%. Local audit should be performed annually and the results available for external assessment. Target 100%. Section 13. Useful links and support groups. Public Health England, screening in pregnancy. CVS and amniocentesis, information for parents. www.gov.uk forward slash government forward slash publications forward slash CVS hyphen and hyphen amniocentesis hyphen Diagnostic hyphen, tests hyphen, description hyphen, in hyphen, brief, forward slash, NHS hyphen, fetal hyphen, anomaly hyphen, screening hyphen, program hyphen, chorionic hyphen, villas hyphen, sampling hyphen, CVS hyphen, and hyphen, amniocentesis hyphen information hyphen for hyphen parents antenatal results and choices www.arc-uk.org support organization for trisomy 13 and trisomy 18 www soft.org.uk Disclosures of interest KN has declared no conflicts of interest. ZA has declared no conflicts of interest. Full disclosures of interests are available to view online as supporting information. Funding All those involved in the development of the Greentop Guidelines including the Guidelines Committee, Guidelines Committee co-chairs, Guidelines developers, peer reviewers and other reviewers, are unpaid volunteers and receive no direct funding for their work in producing the guideline. The exception to this are the RCOG staff involved who are salaried employees of the college and Guidelines Committee members who receive reimbursement for expenses for attending Guidelines Committee meetings. Please see more information on travel expense rules on the RCOG website. References The full reference list is available at www.rcog.org.uk forward slash gtg8.